you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Hey guys, uh, we are in the sixth week of this series uh, on Daniel trying to live for God in an ungodly culture, and um, how does this work? How does it operate? And as we could see the world getting darker around us, uh, how, do we, how do we fix our eyes on Christ? This series has been pretty rad. Um, I, someone asked me last week, how, how much longer are we going to do this? I think we've got two more weeks coming, and uh, next week I think we're going to do the lion's den, and I just want to say the next, I don't know, I've just for since we started it, the two that I've been most excited about are the next two. And so I get really awkward and I get really weird as I like over prepare for what we're going to talk about over the next two weeks. So I would just say if you're going to be out of town, uh, you're going to want to make arrangements to watch the next two weeks. I think it'll grab you uh, at your core and uh, check out next week and the following. Cool. Would you all stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Quick recap. The people of Israel were living in Israel. They um, were attacked by a country called Babylon, which is uh, the modern-day Iraq. And uh, they were, uh, the country was destroyed, the temple was destroyed, and some of the young, uh, elite, good-looking, wise uh, youth were enslaved to live in Babylon under the king. And uh, we watched them grow in leadership there in the king's courts in Babylon. And what we are about to start off with now is the first king in the lifetime of Daniel um, had just died. And we start off with Daniel um, serving his second king in Babylon. Many years... Later, King Belshazzar gave great, a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. And while Belshazzar was drinking wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives, his concubines, so they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. And while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood and stone. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I just pray that you would help. Amen. You can have a seat. Uh, this message is one that you just can't ignore when the king of heaven speaks. I don't know if you know yet, but everyone listens. And this is one where God decides he's going to intervene specifically in a situation. He makes his mark here. 
So the, we have the king. Uh, he's laughing it up, having a good time. Everything's a party. And what we understand is that his reign at this point has only been about two years long. He's been a king. And so we think Daniel's probably in his 30s or 40s at this point. He's been serving the king, uh, the other king that had died. And now Belshazzar is king for two years. And Daniel is a servant in his courts again. They're living it up and they're having a good time. And they're kind of making a mockery of the Lord. It says that they're honoring their gods made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone while drinking from the golden cups that were sacred in the Lord's temple. And this really brings me to where we are today in our modern culture of just living amongst ungodly people, a people without any kind of standard in their life where everything is a joke. And I can sense right now in our culture a lack of respect for anything that is sacred, a lack of reverence for anything. As I even asked others in the church today to do some research, if you look throughout scripture, it would say again and again that even God's enemies had respect and fear and reverence for the God of Israel. Yet here in Babylon, a kingdom that got to see the hand of God, a kingdom that got to watch them protect uh, uh, Meshach, Rashak, and Abednego, a kingdom that got to see them protect uh, Daniel time, time, and again. They saw the hand of God, yet this new king feared nothing and made a mockery. And I want you to know that we're living in an increasing culture right now that is, that is laughing at things that are sacred. And I just want you to know that as we look at scripture as a whole, the Lord is patient and he is slow to judgment, but judgment will come as we saw in scripture and we will see again. And when judgment comes, it is terrifying. The scripture calls it the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it will be great when the Lord comes and it will be terrifying when the Lord comes. And today I want to lean in on that moment. These guys, everything is good. Everyone's drinking, everyone's eating, everyone's laughing, everyone's dancing until a culture without honor, a culture that mocks the Lord. Verse five, suddenly they saw a fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave away beneath him. My man almost passed out. He got pale. I don't know if you can see what's going on here, but they're laughing. Everyone's drinking. Everyone's having a good time. And then all of a sudden, there's a hand on the wall. I don't know what this looked like. Uh, you know, today we would probably try to justify it, some type of 3D situation, or maybe there's too much acid going on. I don't know what kind of hallucinations they were having, but uh, there was a hand writing on the wall, and it reminds me of like Adam's family. You know what I'm talking about? Like <laughs> my man Thing just hanging out on the wall, and, uh, and he starts writing. 
And Daniel is freaked out because we don't see an arm. We don't see a body. All we see is writing. And, and the scripture does not say that this is God's hand. But it does say that God willed this hand to write something on the wall. And he would write this in verse 13. Um, uh, suddenly the fingers, uh, they, his knees mocked together and uh, the king shouted for the enchanters, the astrologers, the fortune tellers to be brought in before him. And he said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes and royal honor and they'll have a gold chain placed around his neck and he will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. His, the second highest ruler would be his wife. So this is going to be a grand place of honor for whoever can read it. What's interesting about this is we know is that every country that Babylon is conquering, they're enslaving people and causing them to learn the languages of all the cultures. So you would think that it would be easy for anyone to read this, but for whatever reason, no one could read it. And his wife uh, and his mother comes to him and says, we know someone, king, that can read this. Your father met, fell into these situations often and you should bring in Daniel. Daniel will tell you what this is going to look like. I want you to know there are multiple situations that you come into every day where people are looking for someone to do something specific. Uh, this week, we, we needed someone that was an AC guy and could give us information about this. It may be common to everyone else, but I want you to know when you have the knowledge and the ability to do something specific and people are seeking you out. It's never by mistake. Just know that people are seeking. The Lord has, has given you an education and experiences in your life for such a time as this. Know that you're appointed to whatever conversation, whatever room you're invited into. You're anointed and you're anointed to be there. Does that make sense? Daniel was anointed to walk into the king's palace again. And what happens in verse 13 says, So Daniel was brought in before the king. And the king asked, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you're filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men, the enchanters, have tried to read these words on the wall and they tell me uh, and, and tell me their meaning, but they couldn't do it. And I am told that you can give interpretations and solve many problems. If you can read these words, tell me their meaning and you will be clothed in purple. Um, so he, uh, verse 22, Daniel comes at him quite specifically. He says, you are his successor, O Belshazzar, and you knew all of this, and yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have been proudly, for you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven. I just want to stop right there and make sure you see that. He, he addresses him as the Lord of heaven. He could have called him anything here in verse 22, but he called, he identified the Lord as the Lord of heaven. And I think that's interesting because Daniel was given authority in the kingdom of Babylon. And he wanted the king of Babylon to know that Daniel will be a member and a ruler of another kingdom one day, but it's not this kingdom. You don't have to worry about it. I'm a citizen of another kingdom that one day will have great authority. 
And so it allowed the kings to understand that they didn't want power or authority in this earth. They were looking to rule somewhere else. Does that make sense? And so here he says, um, you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven. And you have these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from while praising gods of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. And gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. These aren't gods at all that you're worshiping. They can't hear you. But you have not honored the God that gives you breath of life and controls your destiny. Now you got to understand the courage that this man is operating in here as he says this. He says, you have defied the God that gives you breath and controls your destiny. Uh, John the Baptist would do this in his life. Elijah would do this. Elijah, many of the prophets would look at a king, but these are kings that they knew murdered their families. These are kings of, of crazy authority that had a very short temper. And he would know that in a situation like this, you may not have breath in you very long, but he had to tell him, you've been proud and you have not honored the Lord that gives you breath. Whew. While you're worshiping all these little gods that can't even hear you. They're not even responding. I'm just so thankful that we worship a God that does respond to us. He does hear us when we pray. He does move when we pray. He's been in this very room this morning. I'm so thankful that I'm able to sit right here and worship. I just want to be near your heart, God. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to be with you. And I'm so thankful that he joins me when I pray. So anyways, what happens next is quite awesome. And so God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that God has written. Many, many, Tekel and Parson. And this is what the words mean. Many means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. For your kingdom has been divided and will be given to the Medes and the Persians. Hi. <laughs> I'm literally just terrified like thinking about this. But what's crazy odd to me is that this isn't a circumstance with man interpreting or anything that God literally just intervened and said, I have a message for you, O king. You have been numbered. You have been measured. You have been divided. And what the scripture says is, uh, then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes and a gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in all the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was killed. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. I, um, I think about this 
in these three words. And these are the three words I just want to talk to all of us about. Because uh, uh, whether or not we realize it or not, these words will become very real to all of us in our lifetime. It was a message to a king by the Lord. But it is a message to all of us. Sobering and real. Philippians chapter 3 verse 18 and 20 says this. I want to read it to you. He says, for I have told the apostle, Paul, our apostle says this. I have told you before and I say it again with tears in my eyes that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is in their appetite and they brag about shameful things when he says their God is their appetite, their God is their belly, what he's really meaning is, is the only thing that you follow is whatever you desire. Whatever you desire is what you do. And you just follow your desires in your life. But our God is the Lord of our life that speaks to us and tells us what is right and what is wrong and tells our feelings to stop. Does that make sense? He, he says this, he, he says, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. Remember, he says that, but, but the Lord of heaven, the apostle Paul says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. I want to remind us all how important it is for us to remember that this life is short, but we will live forever. Someone tagged that, that we preached about it one time. Someone tagged the phrase YOLO, you only live once, but, but that's not actually true. We will all live twice. We're going to die on this earth and we're going to open our eyes to another kingdom, to another world where life truly now begins. We are citizens of another world. And this king who owned this whole world was numbered, was weighed, and was divided. Our citizenship is in heaven. Y'all, we're going to live for a really, really, really long time. And I just want to talk to you about some things that the Lord is addressing in the king's life who lacked humility even though he's seen God move in his life who's seen God move in his kingdom. And I want to address a couple of things. The first thing I think it's important for all of us to remember, 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 remember is this. Psalms 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Oh man, I think it's... Um, Dave Ramsey that teaches the principle of finances, that it's wise for us to understand the concept of delayed gratification, right? If I have less now, I'll have more later. Please know that your days here are short. This is the investing season of your life where you will reap a harvest later, 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 later. Your days are numbered is what the, the Lord said to the king. And I would say that to you. Your days are numbered. We're reading Psalms right now in, 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 uh, in, our, in our reading 
as we're praying first every day right now. And we've had so many wonderful psalms. This psalm right here, uh, the King uh, Moses would say, some of us will live to be 60, 70, and if our heart is good, maybe 80. And he would talk to us about learning to live with fear and trembling before the Lord. Please understand how important it is for us, all of us, to number the days that we have on this earth. What is it that you want to do? Do you have goals with your life? What do you want to accomplish for the king? What do you want to do for you? I have some, some, some kingdom goals and I have some selfish goals. Me and Teresa were just watching yesterday some of the national... Uh, uh, um, uh, yeah, we want to go on vacation some places. We want to hit up some of the national forests and some of the places and see some of the caves and go see some of the cool things that the Lord has done. There are goals of ours. I want to shoot an elk one day. But there's also some kingdom things that are far more important that we must accomplish while we're here on this earth. Amen. Know that your days are numbered and you want to accomplish the things that the Lord has set out for you. The, the very next, uh, I wanted to stop just for a second and, and, and time out and tell you a story really quick. Our days are numbered. Uh, this is maybe, uh, I want to tell all of you that I'm proud of you. Like truly, I'm proud of you. Something happened this last Sunday uh, that brought tears to my eyes. There was two people that were members of our church um, that are largely overlooked by society. Both of them, uh, not generally pleasant in smell or in speech, not very wise, and they didn't have any money to really um, contribute to our church. One of them was invited by our friend Dean. And uh, my friend Al became a, a pretty big member of our church. In fact, I would joke around with Brady that Al became my best friend. Uh, he would come to my office every day for the last, uh, for this, this semester of this year. Every day Al would come, most of the time without knocking and just walk into my office and let me know he was here and wanted to hang out and talk about life. Al would be largely passed over by society. He, um, he didn't have all of his teeth in his mouth and he smelt pretty bad. He had been homeless for over 20 years. He would come a lot of Sundays and uh, be so drunk that he would just pass out in the back in the lo our little lobby area over there and uh, be largely overstepped by a lot of people. He emailed the church uh, at the end of May to say thank you to all of you. He had to move to another state and he wanted you all to know that he was loved here. Al would tell me often that most churches overlook him. They don't accept him and people don't embrace him. I watched countless people in our church buy him food, give him money, buy him a new bicycle because his bike was stolen. Uh, his, his, he, Al would wash cars and so he washed many of your cars and many of you bought him new car washing supplies to help him try to get some money back under his feet again. Al passed away a couple weeks ago and... Um, it's cool for me to know that like my days are numbered, so are yours, but I'm just so thankful that he wrote the church to say that you guys cared about him. He said in the letter that he always experienced the power of God in this room and that he always knew that this was a place of love. His words, not mine. And I just think that that's cool that people were able to find a place where they weren't ignored or stepped over, but were embraced and loved Amen. 
Because while their days were numbered, they knew a place where they can go to be loved and find God. That's cool, man. Good job, guys. The next thing that would be said, uh, and I just want to remind you uh, of popular stats today, that one out of every one person in this room is going to die at some point in their life. (laughs) Your days are numbered, uh, but you will live again. The second thing that the Lord said to King uh, Belshazzar was, was this. He wanted you to know that your life is weighted. This is the most terrifying to me. It freaks me out, and it freaks me out, and it freaks me out. And he said, you have been weighted, and you have not measured up. Nope. There's probably nothing worse on earth for me to imagine hearing. Jesus would tell the story of of, of the man who... uh, who was, was told, well done, good and faithful servant. I long to hear that. I long to see the Lord look at me and say, I saw you. I saw what you did, how you loved, the, the, you clothed the naked and you visited the man in prison and you gave a cup of cold water in my name, how you were generous and how you loved and how you gave. But in this scenario, he looked at the richest man on earth and said, you have not weighed it. This isn't about good deeds, but you need to know that there is going to come a time in life where something significant happens to you. For the sake of illustrating that moment, I thought that we would do this. Can I have the Knight family stand for a second? The scripture says that there are two judgments on earth or in heaven. There will be the great throne judgment um, and the great white judgment. And uh, the, I believe I'm saying them, right? Yes. Um, and uh, what will happen is at the first judgment seat, the Lord will separate those that are believers from unbelievers. And that will be a bone chilling moment for those that don't make it into heaven's gates for eternity. And then there will be another judgment where he calls all the believers to his throne. And this is the great throne judgment. And where he then rewards those for the things that they've done. I'm going to read you the passage here. But I think it would look something like, I don't know if you've ever got a phone call from, 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 your, from your boss or someone that was important. And they said, hey, can you come to my office on Tuesday at noon? And they don't tell you what the meeting is about. <laughs> and you feel that like, oh, no. I'm going and no one's coming with me. When we, when we close our eyes on this earth, what happens is we don't all get to come with everyone that we have. Actually, what happens is, Gail, Courtney, you, you, can, have, you can sit down. Fred, would you stay standing? And it's the feeling that climbs up your back to knows there's no one with me. No one else can give account For your life, Fred, only you. And in this moment, we all watch on as Fred is rewarded for the things that he has done on this earth. The only reason why I selected you guys, please know that you actually, I think, have families. You guys are some of the most diligent people in our community, to my knowledge. Let me be clear. You can fake your pastor really good. 
I don't think you're doing that, just to be clear, right? Uh, but, but, um, but it is important that what you do isn't for the praise of your pastor, but for the one who sees. In fact, I can't tell you how many people I've heard stories of that leave other churches because they weren't, they weren't recognized for all the things that they did. And I just want you to be careful. Please know, I don't know most of the stuff going on in our church. And you're not doing it for me to recognize it. You're only, we're only doing what we're doing for the Lord. In fact, when, he, when you're working the most for the king, it won't be here. It will be at Walmart. It'll be at work tomorrow. When God says, hey, and we either honor or obey or we don't. But Fred, you'll stand before the Lord one day as true as taxes or Christmas. And this is what the Lord says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 10. Therefore, we are always confident and we know that as long as we are at home in this body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. But we are confident. And I say I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord so that we make it our goal to please him. And whether we are at home in the body or away from it, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done in this body, whether good or bad. I'm sorry, there is the great throne judgment and the judgment seat of Christ. I said all of that wrong earlier. The great throne judgment is when we are judged, whether we are uh, followers of Christ or not, and the judgment seat of Christ is where we receive our rewards. And I believe it is at this judgment that the Father, well, this is just a personal belief, Based on what I can see in scripture, it's where the Lord asks all of us, what did you do with my son? I gave my son for you. Amen. What did you do with him? Fred, what did you do with my son? I don't say this to embarrass you. In fact, I think you're, you're a man of God, Fred. I, I just want to remind all of us the loneliness that it will feel like when we stand before the Lord. There will be great pride for those that were great stewards, a, a healthy sense of pride. But it will be bone chilling for those that squandished the gifts of God inside of us and lived casually with the blood of Jesus in our life. Thank you, friend. I love you, man of God. Uh, we will all be weighted. It'll be important that you'll be judged not by your Instagram or your companies or how many people followed you online. It won't be your business goals that day. That'll be on the docket of discussion. It'll be what you did with Jesus. Amen. The last thing that the Lord wrote on the wall to Belshazzar before he passed was divide it. I hate this one. But this is a reality that awaits all of us. In fact, when I leaned into this thought last week, I started going through an account of my life. My wife is here today and she doesn't like me talking like this. But what happens when you pass is um, everything that you own, we have to figure out what we're going to do with it now. Your clothes? Where will we put those? 
What do we do with all the papers in the drawer? What do we do with the carpet? What do we do with the house, the car? I heard a joke uh, last week online, and, and uh, someone said, you guys want to hear a joke? I'll tell you a joke real quick. And he said, uh, they said uh, this guy said to his wife, uh, sweetheart, when I, when I pass, um, well, and you remarry, well, will that man live in our house? And she said, well, I mean, yeah. And he's like, ah. Oh. So when I pass, will, will, will that man, will he, will he drive my car? And she said, well, I mean, I don't know what else to do with it. Yeah, he'll drive your car. So when I die, will, will that man use my golf clubs? No. Oh, she said, he's a lefty. <laughs> Ooh, zing, 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 zing. But all of our kingdom uh, will be divided, you know? And we're going to have to figure out what do we do with your stuff? Everything in our life, we, 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 we're buying and buying and buying and buying and building this, this great kingdom. And then it's like King Solomon said, it all has to be left for those left behind. You can't take any of it with you. Many preachers have said, I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse. None of it goes with you. Your kingdom will be divided. And all of the stuff that we work so hard to get, sold, given away, thrown out. Wasn't it the Grinch that said, what do I do with all the neckties that were given to me? <laughs> I don't know, it always sticks out to me. It was Jesus that said this, do not store up for yourselves treasures here on this earth where moths and vermin destroy, or thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart also be. Let me just go back to the beginning of the story. There was a king who had all the riches of the world, and everything was good. He was in complete control, or so he thought, drinking from golden cups, laughing with his friends. And the Lord said, your days are numbered, your life is measured, and your kingdom is divided. None of us control our destiny or our life. All we can control is where we put our heart, where we put our affection. I just want you to know that we're all going to be measured. And in a moment, Belshazzar's life was taken from him and his kingdom was handed over to others. It'll be the same for us. And it's important that we recognize that our life is not here in this earth. It is in Christ and it is in another kingdom. And I just think it's important that we because if the Lord would speak this eternal kingdom concept over another king, I would recognize that he's also speaking it over me. And so I just want you to be mindful that you are going to live forever. And to be mindful with what you steward and how we live our life and how we share the gospel. Lacey said it's so wonderful this morning. Be generous with the good news of the gospel. 
Be good, be, be generous telling people about the goodness of God and about how he is a healer and how he lives and how he, he longs to touch, save, heal, and deliver. I don't, I'm excited about my life here on this earth, but I am most excited about where I'm going. And uh, I just want us all to live with an expectancy that we're not wasting so that we would be found measured in a healthy way. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? Talking to citizens of heaven, or so I hope, how is your life measured? so thankful that Al found a place where he was loved. We want you to know a real powerful truth that we believe on staff. We want everyone to come as they are to our church, but leave different. Thank you for coming. Go home changed. Today, I'm calling you to change. I'm calling you to a standard, standard of holiness, standard of godliness, to a calling greater than your own. If you're here today and you know that you are not living according to the calling that God has on your life, and today you'd say, Pastor, I need to make changes, this is called repentance. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you raise your hand right now? God bless you. I see your hands. God bless you. I see your hands. Is there anyone else to say, Pastor Tim, I need to make some changes in my life? Jesus, forgive me. Wash me in the blood that you shed on Calvary and make me new. Change me, Lord, from the inside out. Put your Holy Spirit inside me and cause me to live for you. Cause me to live for you. Cause me to live for you. Thank you for the days that I have here. Thank you for the people that love me and that you've given me the honor of loving. Thank you for years of laughter, health, and good times. And I pray, God, that I number them in such a way that the way I'm living is to bring health and laughter and joy to others because of the gospel of Jesus. Teach me to live for you, Lord. You're the best thing in my life. We love you, we love you, we love you, we honor you, we honor you, we honor you. Wash us, cleanse us, and lead us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, just before you go, before we close service, I want you to know there's gonna be a few people down here at the end of service that... If there's anything going on in your life, you need a miracle in your body, you're having problems in your finances or just something going on in your life, we want to pray with you. So don't leave without prayer. Come down front and we'll have some folks here pray with you, agree with you that God, God can heal today and change. And then um, we, uh, we start connect groups this week, which we're pumped about. So wherever you're at this week, the way you grow spiritually is by finding a group in our church for you to connect with 
and, and join in these groups. You can do it online. You can do it in our church. But join a, join a group, laugh, tell some jokes, and grow spiritually. Um, and then that's it. Yeah, next steps is uh, second service. Love you guys. Have fun. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.